Is She His Wife? by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Is She His Wife? or Something Singular? A Comic Burletta in One Act by Charles Dickens. Dramatis Personae Alfred Lovetown, Esquire, read by Algy Pug. Mr. Peter Limbury, read by Noel Badrian. Felix Tapkins, Esquire, read by Tricia G. John, Servant to Lovetown, read by Elizabeth Clatt. Mrs. Lovetown, read by Christine Nenza. Mrs. Peter Limbury, read by Christine G. Narrated by Elizabeth Clatt. Scene one. A room opening into a garden. A table laid for breakfast. Chairs, etc. Mr. and Mrs. Lovetown, centre, discovered at breakfast. Right. The former is in a dressing-gown and slippers, reading a newspaper. A screen on one side. Lovetown, left of table. Oh, oh, another cup of tea, my dear. Oh, Lord. Mrs. Lovetown, right of table. I wish, Alfred, you would endeavour to assume a more cheerful appearance in your wife's society. If you were perpetually yawning and complaining of ennui a few months after marriage, what am I to suppose you'll become in a few years? It really is very odd of you. Not at all odd, my dear. Not the least in the world. It would be a great deal more odd if I were not. The fact is, my love, I am tired of the country. Green fields and blooming hedges and feathered songsters are fine things to talk about and read about and write about. But I candidly confess that I prefer paved streets, area railings and dustman's bells, after all. How often have you told me that, blessed with my love, you could live contented and happy in a desert? Lovetown, reading. Artful impostor. Have you not over and over again said that fortune and personal attractions were secondary considerations with you? That you loved me for those virtues which, while they gave additional lustre to public life, would adorn and sweeten retirement? Lovetown, reading. Soothing syrup. You complain of the tedious sameness of a country life. Was it not you yourself who first proposed our residing permanently in the country? Did you not say that I should then have an ample sphere in which to exercise those charitable feelings which I have so often evinced by selling at those benevolent fancy fairs? Lovetown, reading. Humane man-traps. He pays no attention to me. Alfred, dear. Lovetown, stamping his foot. Yes, my life. Have you heard what I have just been saying, dear? Yes, love. And what can you say in reply? Why, really, my dear, you've said it so often before in the course of the last six weeks that I think it quite unnecessary to say anything more about it. Reading. 
the learned judge delivered a brief but impressive summary of the unhappy man's trial mrs lovetown aside i could bear anything but this neglect he evidently does not care for me lovetown aside i could put up with anything rather than these constant altercations and little petty quarrels i repeat my dear that i am very dull in this out-of-the-way villa confoundedly dull horridly dull and i repeat that if you took any pleasure in your wife's society or felt for her as you once professed to feel you would have no cause to make such a complaint if i did not know you to be one of the sweetest creatures in existence my dear i should be strongly disposed to say that you are a very close imitation of an aggravating female well, that's very curious my dear for i declare that if i hadn't known you to be such an exquisite good-tempered attentive husband i should have mistaken you for a very great brute my dear you're offensive my love you're intolerable they turn their chairs back to back mr felix tapkins sings without the wife around her husband throws her arms to make him stay my dear it rains it hails it blows and you cannot hunt to-day but a hunting we will go and a hunting we will go woe 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 and a hunting we will go there's that dear good-natured creature mr tapkins do you ever hear him complain of the tediousness of a country life light-hearted creature his lively disposition and rich flow of spirits are wonderful even to me rising they need not be a matter of astonishment to anybody my dear he's a bachelor mr felix tapkins appears at window left ha ha how are you both here's a morning bless my heart alive what a morning i've been gardening ever since five o'clock and the flowers have been actually growing before my very eyes the london pride is sweeping everything before it and the stocks are half as high again as they were yesterday they're all run up like so many tailors bills after that heavy dew of last night broke down half my rosebuds with the weight of its own moisture something like a dew that regular dew eh come that's not so bad for a before dinner one ah you happy dog felix happy of course i am felix by name felix by nature what the deuce should i be unhappy for or anybody be unhappy for what's the use of it that's the point have you finished your improvements yet mr tapkins at rustic lodge she nods assent bless your heart and soul you never saw such a place cardboard chimneys grecian balconies gothic parapets thatched roof indeed lord bless you yes green veranda with ivy twining around the pillars how very rural rural my dear mrs lovetown delightful the french windows too such an improvement i should think they were yes i should think they were why on a fine summer's evening the frogs hop off the grass plot into the very sitting-room dear me bless you yes something like the country quite a little eden why when i'm smoking under the veranda after a shower of rain 
the black beetles fall into my brandy and water. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I take em out again with the teaspoon, and lay bets with myself which of them will run away the quickest. <laughs> they all laugh. Then the stable, too. Why, in Rustic Lodge, the stables are close to the dining-room window. No. Yes, the horse can't cough, but I hear him. There's compactness. Nothing like the cottage style of architecture for comfort, my boy. By the by, I have left the new horse at your garden-gate this moment. The new horse? The new horse. Splendid fellow. Such action. Puts out its feet like a rocking-horse, and carries its tail like a hat-peg. Come and see him. <laughs> I can't deny you anything. No, that's what they all say, especially the, eh? Nodding and winking. Ha, 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 I'm afraid you're a very bad man, Mr. Tapkins. I'm afraid you're a shocking man, Mr. Tapkins. Think so? No, I don't know. Not worse than other people similarly situated. Bachelors, my dear Mrs. Lovetown, bachelors. Eh, old fellow? Winking to Lovetown. Certainly, certainly. We know, eh? They all laugh. By the by, talking of bachelors puts me in mind of Rustic Lodge, and talking of Rustic Lodge puts me in mind of what I came here for. You must come and see me this afternoon. Little Peter Limbery and his wife are coming. I detest that man. The wife is supportable, my dear. To be sure, so she is. You'll come, and that's enough. Now come and see the horse. Give me three minutes to put on my coat and boots, and I'll join you. I won't be three minutes. Exit Lovetown. Right. Look sharp, look sharp. Mrs. Lovetown, will you excuse me one moment? Crosses to left. Calling off. Jim! These fellows never know how to manage horses. Walk him gently up and down. Throw the stirrups over the saddle to show the people that his master's coming, and if anybody asks what that fine animal's pedigree is, and who he belongs to, say he's the property of Mr. Felix Tapkins of Rustic Lodge, near Reading, and that he's the celebrated horse who ought to have won the Newmarket Cup last year, only he didn't. Exit Tapkins. My mind is made up. I can bear Alfred's coldness and insensibility no longer, and come what may, I will endeavour to remove it. From the knowledge I have of his disposition, I am convinced that the only mode of doing so will be by rousing his jealousy and wounding his vanity. This thoughtless creature will be a very good instrument for my scheme. He plumes himself on his gallantry, has no very small share of vanity, and is easily led. I see him crossing the garden. She brings a chair hastily forward and sits right. Enter Felix Tapkins, left window. Tapkins, singing. My dear, it rains, it hails, it blows. Mrs. Lovetown, tragically. Would that I had never beheld him. Tapkins, aside. Hello, she's talking about her husband. I knew by their manner there had been a quarrel when I came in this morning. So fascinating, and yet so insensible to the tenderest of passions. 
as not to see how devotedly I love him. Tapkins, aside. I thought so. That he should still remain unmarried is to me extraordinary. Um. He ought to have married long since. Tapkins, aside. Eh, why they aren't married, ought to have married long since, I rather think he ought. And, though I am the wife of another. Tapkins, aside. Wife of another? Still, I grieve to say that I cannot be blind to his extraordinary merits. Why, he's run away with somebody else's wife, the villain. I must let her know I'm in the room, or there's no telling what I may hear next. <coughs> Mrs. Lovetown, starting up in affected confusion. Mr. Tapkins! They sit. Bring your chair nearer. I fear, Mr. Tapkins, that I have been unconsciously giving utterance to what was passing in my mind. I trust you have not overheard my confession of the weakness of my heart. No, no, not more than a word or two. That agitated manner convinces me that you have heard more than you were willing to confess. Then why? Why should I seek to conceal from you that though I esteem my husband, I... I... love... another? I heard you mention that little circumstance. Oh! oh. Tapkins, aside. What the deuce is she owing at? She looks at me as if I were Lovetown himself. Mrs. Lovetown, putting her hand on his shoulder with a languishing air. Does my selection meet with your approbation? Tapkins, slowly. It doesn't. No? Decidedly not. Aside. I'll cut that Lovetown out and offer myself. <clears throat> Mrs. Lovetown. Yes, Mr. Tapkins. I know an individual. Ah, an individual. An individual, I may perhaps venture to say an estimable individual, who for the last three months has been constantly in your society, who never yet had courage to disclose his passion, but who burns to throw himself at your feet. Oh! Aside. I'll try an O or two now. Oh! <sighs> That's a capital O. Mrs. Lovetown, aside. He must have misunderstood me before, for he is evidently speaking of himself. Is the gentleman you speak of handsome, Mr. Tapkins? He is generally considered remarkably so. Is he tall? About the height of the Apollo Belvedere. Is he stout? Of nearly the same dimensions as the gentleman I have just named. His figure is... Quite a model. And he is... Myself. Throws himself on his knees and seizes her hand. Enter Lovetown, right. Tapkins immediately pretends to be diligently looking for something on the floor. Pray, don't trouble yourself. I'll find it. Dear me, how, how could I lose it? What have you lost, love? I should almost imagine that you had lost yourself, and that our friend Mr. Tapkins here had just found you. Tapkins, aside. Ah, you always will have your joke. 
funny dog funny dog bless my heart and soul there's that immortal horse standing outside all this time he'll catch his death of cold come and see him at once come come no i can't see him to-day i had forgotten i've letters to write business to transact i'm engaged tapkins to mrs lovetown oh if he's engaged you know we better not interrupt him oh certainly not by any means tapkins taking her arm good-bye old fellow lovetown seating himself at table oh good-bye tapkins going take care of yourself i'll take care of mrs l exit tapkins and mrs lovetown centre what the deuce does that fellow mean by laying such emphasis on mrs l what's my wife to him or he to my wife very extraordinary i can hardly believe that even if he had the treachery to make any advances she would encourage such a preposterous intrigue walks to and fro she spoke in his praise at breakfast time though and they have gone away together to see that confounded horse but stop i must keep a sharp eye upon them this afternoon without appearing to do so i would not appear unnecessarily suspicious for the world dissembling in such a case though is difficult very difficult enter a servant left mr and mrs peter limbury desire them to walk in exit servant left a lucky visit it furnishes me with a hint this mrs limbury is a vain conceited woman ready to receive the attentions of anybody who feigns admiration for her partly to gratify herself and partly to annoy the jealous little husband whom she keeps under such strict control if i pay particular attention to her i shall lull my wife and that scoundrel tapkins into a false security and have better opportunities of observation they are here enter mr and mrs limbury left my dear mrs limbury crosses to centre eh lovetown not regarding him how charming how delightful how divine you look to-day limbury aside dear mrs limbury charming divine and beautiful look to-day they're smiling at each other he squeezes her hand i see how it is i always thought he paid her too much attention sit down sit down lovetown places the chairs so as to sit between them which limbury in vain endeavours to prevent peter and i called as we passed in our little pony chase to inquire whether we should have the pleasure of seeing you at tapkins this afternoon is it possible you can ask such a question do you think i could stay away there mr lovetown aside how polite he's quite struck with me limbury aside wretched miscreant a regular assignation before my very face lovetown to mrs limbury do you know i entertain some apprehensions some dreadful fears that you might not be there fears that we mightn't be there of course we shall be there now don't talk peter i thought it just possible you know that you might not be agreeable oh peter is always agreeable to anything that is agreeable to me aren't you peter yes dearest aside agreeable to anything that's agreeable to her 
Oh, Lor. By the by, Mr. Lowtown, how do you like this bonnet? Oh, beautiful. Limbery, aside. I must change the subject. Do you know, Mr. Lovetown, I have often thought, and it has frequently occurred to me, when— Now don't talk, Peter. To Lovetown. The colour is so bright, is it not? It might appear so elsewhere, but the brightness of those eyes casts it quite into shade. I know you're a connoisseur in ladies' dresses. How do you like those shoes? Limbery, aside. Her shoes? What will she ask his opinion of next? Oh, like the bonnet, you deprive them of their fair chance of admiration. That small and elegant foot engrosses all the attention which the shoes might otherwise attract. That taper ankle, too. Limbery, aside. Her taper ankle? My bosom swells with the rage of an ogre. Mr. Lovetown, I— Now, pray do not talk so, Limbery. You've put Mr. Lovetown out as it is. Limbery, aside. Put him out? I wish I could put him out, Mrs. Limbery. I must. Enter servant hastily. I beg your pardon, sir, but the bay pony has got his hind leg over the traces, and he's kicking the chaise to pieces. Kicking the new chaise to pieces? Kicking the new chaise to pieces? The bay pony? Limbery, my dear fellow, fly to the spot. Pushing him out. But, Mr. Lovetown, I— Oh, he'll kick somebody's brains out if Peter don't go to him. But perhaps he'll kick my brains out if I do go to him. Never mind, don't lose an instant. Not a moment. Pushes him out, both talking together. Exit Limbery. Aside. Now for it. Here's my wife. Dearest Mrs. Limbery. Kneels by her chair and seizes her hand. Enter Mrs. Lovetown, center. Mrs. Lovetown, aside. Can I believe my eyes? Retires behind the screen. Mr. Lovetown! Nay, allow me in one hurried interview, which I have sought in vain for weeks, for months, to say how devotedly, how ardently I love you. Suffer me to retain this hand in mine. Give me one ray of hope. Rise, I entreat you. We shall be discovered. Nay, I will not rise till you promise me that you will take an opportunity of detaching yourself from the rest of the company and meeting me alone in Tapkins' grounds this evening. I shall have no eyes, no ears for any one but yourself. Well, well, I will. I do. Then I am blessed indeed. I am so agitated. If Peter or Mrs. Lovetown were to find me thus, I should betray all. I'll teach my husband to be jealous. Crosses to left. Let us walk round the garden. With pleasure. Take my arm. Divine creature. Aside. I am sure she's behind the screen. I saw her peeking. Come. Exit Lovetown and Mrs. Limbery, left. Mrs. Lovetown, coming forward. Faithless man! His coldness and neglect are now too well explained. Oh, Alfred! Alfred, how little did I think when I married you six short months since 
that I should be exposed to so much wretchedness. I begin to tremble at my own imprudence, and the situation in which it may place me, but it is now too late to recede. I must be firm. This day will either bring my project to the explanation I so much desire, or convince me of what I too much fear, my husband's aversion. Can this woman's husband suspect their intimacy? If so, he may be able to prevent this assignation taking place. I will seek him instantly. If I can but meet him at once, he may prevent her going at all. Exit Mrs. Lovetown. Right. Enter Tapkins. Left window. This certainly is a most extraordinary affair. Not her partiality for me, that's natural enough, but the confession I overheard about her marriage to another. I have been thinking that after such a discovery it would be highly improper to allow Limbury and his wife to meet her without warning him of the fact. The best way will be to make him acquainted with the real state of the case. Then he must see the propriety of not bringing his wife to my house to-night. Ah, here he is. I'll make the awful disclosure at once and petrify him. Enter Limbury, left window. That damned little bay pony is as bad as my wife. There's no curbing either of them. And as soon as I've got the traces of the one all right, I lose all traces of the other. Peter. Ah, Tapkins. Hush, hush looking cautiously round. If you have a moment to spare, I've got something of great importance to communicate. Something of great importance, Mr. Tapkins. Aside. What can he mean? Can it relate to Mrs. Limbury? The thought is dreadful. You horrify me. You'll be more horrified presently. What I am about to tell you concerns yourself and your honour very materially and I beg you to understand that I communicate it in the strictest confidence. Myself and my honour? I shall dissolve into nothing with horrible anticipations. Tapkins, in a low tone. Have you ever observed anything remarkable about Lovetown's manner? Anything remarkable? Aye, anything very odd and rather unpleasant. Decidedly no longer than half an hour ago in this very room i observed something in his manner particularly odd and exceedingly unpleasant to your feelings as a husband yes my friend yes yes you know it all i see what you do know it i'm afraid i do but go on go on tapkins aside how the deuce can he know anything about it well, this oddness arises from the peculiar nature of his connection with— You look very pale. No, no. Go on. Connection with— A certain lady. You know whom I mean. I do, I do. Aside. Disgrace and confusion. I'll kill her with a look. I'll wither her with scornful indignation. Mrs. Limbury? Viper. Tapkins, whispering with caution. They aren't married. They aren't married? Who aren't? Those two, to be sure. Those two? What two? Why, them. And the worst of it is she's... she's married to somebody else. Well, of course I know that. You know it? 
of course i do why how you talk isn't she my wife your wife wretched bigamist mrs lovetown your wife mrs lovetown what have you been talking of mrs lovetown all this time my dear friend embraces him the revulsion of feeling is almost insupportable i thought you were talking about mrs limbury no yes <laughs> but i say what a dreadful fellow this is another man's wife gad i think he wants to run away with every man's wife he sees and mrs lovetown too horrid shocking i say i oughtn't to allow mrs limbury to associate with her ought i precisely my idea you had better induce your wife to stay away from my house to-night i'm afraid i can't do that what has she any particular objection to staying away she has a very strange inclination to go and tis much the same however i'll make the best arrangement i can well so be it of course i shall see you of course mind the secret close close you know as a cabinet minister answering a question you may rely upon me exit limbury left tapkins right scene two a conservatory on one side a summer-house on the other enter lovetown at left so far so good my wife has not dropped the slightest hint of having overheard the conversation between me and mrs limbury but she cannot conceal the impression it has made upon her mind or the jealousy it has evidently excited in her breast this is just as i wished i made mr peter limbury's amiable helpmate promise to meet me here i know that refuge for destitute reptiles pointing to summer-house is tapkins favourite haunt and if he has any assignation with my wife i have no doubt he would lead her to this place a woman's coming down the walk mrs limbury i suppose no my wife by all that's actionable i must conceal myself here even at the risk of a shower of black beetles or a marching regiment of frogs goes into conservatory left enter mrs lovetown from top left i cannot have been mistaken i am certain i saw alfred here he must have secreted himself somewhere to avoid me can his assignation with mrs limbury have been discovered mr limbury's behaviour to me just now was strange in the extreme and after a variety of incoherent expressions he begged me to meet him here on a subject as he said of great delicacy and importance to myself alas i fear that my husband's neglect and unkindness are but too well known the injured little man approaches i summon all my fortitude to bear the disclosure enter mr limbury at top left limbury aside now as i could not prevail upon mrs limbury to stay away the only distressing alternative i have is to inform mrs lovetown that i know her history and to put it to her good feeling whether she hadn't better go lovetown peeping limbury what the deuce can that little wretch want here i took the liberty mrs lovetown of begging you to meet me in this retired spot 
because the esteem I still entertain for you, and my regard for your feelings, induce me to prefer a private to a public disclosure. Love Town, Peeping. Public disclosure? What on earth is he talking about? I wish he'd speak a little louder. I am sensible to your kindness, Mr. Limbury, and believe me, most grateful for it. I am fully prepared to hear what you have to say. It is hardly necessary for me, I presume, to say, Mrs. Lovetown, that I have accidentally discovered the whole secret. The whole secret, sir? Lovetown, peeping. Whole secret? What secret? The whole secret, ma'am, of this disgraceful, I must call it disgraceful, and most abominable intrigue. Mrs. Lovetown, aside. My worst fears are realized. My husband's neglect is occasioned by his love for another. Lovetown, peeping. Abominable intrigue. My first suspicions are too well founded. He reproaches my wife with her infidelity, and she cannot deny it. That villain Tapkins. Mrs. Lovetown, weeping. Cruel, cruel Alfred. You may well call him cruel unfortunate woman his usage of you is indefensible unmanly scandalous it is it is indeed it's very painful for me to express myself in such plain terms mrs lovetown but allow me to say as delicately as possible that you should not endeavour to appear in society under such unusual and distressing circumstances not appear in society why should I quit it? Lovetown, peeping. Shameful woman. Is it possible you can ask such a question? What should I do? Where can I go? Gain permission to return once again to your husband's roof. My husband's roof? Yes, the roof of your husband, your wretched, unfortunate husband. Never! Limbury. Aside, she's thoroughly hardened, steeped in vice beyond redemption. Mrs. Lovetown, as you reject my well-intentioned advice in this extraordinary manner, I am reduced to the painful necessity of expressing my hope that you will, now pray don't think me unkind, that you will never attempt to meet Mrs. Limbury more. What? Can you suppose I am so utterly dead to every sense of feeling and propriety as to meet that person, the destroyer of my peace and happiness, the wretch who has ruined my hopes and blighted my prospects forever? Ask your own heart, sir. Appeal to your own feelings. You are naturally indignant at her conduct. You would hold no further communication with her. Can you suppose, then, I would deign to do so? The mere supposition is an insult. Exit Mrs. Lovetown hastily at top left. What can all this mean? I am lost in a maze of astonishment, petrified at the boldness with which she braves it out. Ay, it's breaking upon me by degrees. I see it. What did she say? Destroyer of peace and happiness? Person? ruined hopes and blighted prospects her i see it all that atrocious love-town that don juan multiplied by twenty that un 
unprecedented libertine has seduced mrs limbury from her allegiance to her lawful lord and master he first of all runs away with the wife of another man and he is no sooner tired of her than he runs away with another wife of another man i thirst for his destruction i lovetown rushes from the conservatory and embraces limbury who disengages himself murderer of domestic happiness behold your victim alas you speak but too truly covering his face with his hands i am the victim i speak but too truly he avows his own criminality i shall throttle him i know i shall i feel it enter mrs limbury at back left mrs limbury aside my husband here goes into conservatory enter tapkins at back left tapkins aside not here and her husband with limbury i'll reconnoitre goes into summer-house right lovetown have you the boldness to look an honest man in the face oh spare me i feel a situation in which i am placed acutely deeply feel for me when i say that from the conservatory i overheard the greater part of what passed between you and mrs lovetown you did need i say how highly i approve both of the language you used and the advice you gave her what you want to get rid of her do you can you doubt it tapkins peeping hallo he wants to get rid of her queer situated as i am you know i have no other resource after what has passed i must part from her mrs limbury peeping what can he mean limbury aside i should certainly throttle him were it not that the coolness with which he refers to the dreadful events paralyzes me mr lovetown look at me sir consider the feelings of an indignant husband sir oh i thank you for those words those strong expressions prove the unaffected interest you take in the matter unaffected interest i shall go raving mad with passion and fury villain monster to embrace the opportunity afforded him of being on a footing of friendship to take a mean advantage of his being a single man to tamper with the sacred engagements of a married woman to place a married man in a disgraceful and humiliating situation scoundrel do you mock me to my face mock you what do you mean who the devil are you talking about talking about you me designing miscreant of whom do you speak of whom shall i speak but that scoundrel tapkins tapkins coming forward right me what the devil do you mean by that ah rushing at him is held back by limbury limbury to tapkins avoid him get out of his sight he's raving mad with conscious villainy what are you all playing at i spy i over my two acres of infant hay for lovetown to tapkins how dare you tamper with the affections of mrs lovetown tapkins crosses to centre oh is that all <laughs> all come come none of your nonsense nonsense designate the best feelings of our nature nonsense pooh pooh here i know all about it lovetown angrily and so do i sir and so do i of course you do 
and you've managed very well to keep it quiet so long. But you're a deep fellow, by Jove, you're a deep fellow. Now, mind, I restrain myself sufficiently to ask you once again, before I knock you down, by what right dare you tamper with the affections of Mrs. Lovetown? Right. Oh, if you come to strict right, you know, nobody has a right but her husband. And who is her husband? Who is her husband? Ah, to be sure, that's the question. Nobody that I know, I hope, poor fellow. I'll bear these insults no longer. Rushes towards Tapkins. Limbury interposes. Lovetown crosses to right. A scream is heard from the conservatory. A pause. Something singular among the plants. He goes into the conservatory and returns with Mrs. Limbury. A flower that wouldn't come out of its own accord. I was obliged to force it. Tolerably full-blown now, at all events. My wife? Traitoress. Crosses to left. Fly from my presence. Quit my sight. Return to the conservatory with that demon in a frock-coat. Enter Mrs. Lovetown at top, left, and comes down centre. Halloo! Somebody else! Lovetown. Aside. My wife here? Mrs. Lovetown to Limbury. I owe you some return for the commiseration you expressed just now for my wretched situation. The best, the only one I can make you is to entreat you to refrain from committing any rash act, however excited you may be, and to control the feelings of an injured husband. Injured husband? Decidedly singular. The illusion of that lady, I confess my utter inability to understand. Mr. Limbury, to you an explanation is due, and I make it more cheerfully, as my abstaining from doing so might involve the character of your wife. Stung by the attentions which I found Mrs. Lovetown had received from a scoundrel present— Tapkins, aside. That's me. I—partly to obtain opportunities of watching her closely, under an assumed mask of levity and carelessness and partly in the hope of awaking once more any dormant feelings of affection that might still slumber in her breast, affected a passion for your wife which I never felt, and to which she never really responded. The second part of my project, I regret to say, has failed. The first has succeeded but too well. Can I believe my ears? But how came Mrs. Peter Limbury to receive those attentions? Why? Not because I like them, of course, but to assist Mr. Lovetown in his project, and to teach you the misery of those jealous fairs. Come here, you stupid little jealous, insinuating darling. They retire up left, she coaxing him. Tapkins, aside. It strikes me very forcibly that I have made a slight mistake here, which is something particularly singular turns upright. Alfred, hear me. I am as innocent as yourself. Your fancied neglect and coldness hurt my weak vanity, and roused some foolish feelings of angry pride. In a moment of irritation, I resorted to some such retaliation as you have yourself described. That I did so from motives as guiltless as your own, I call heaven to witness. That I repent my fault, I solemnly assure you. Is this possible? 
Very possible indeed. Believe your wife's assurance and my corroboration. Here, give and take is all fair, you know. Give me your hand and take your wife's. Here, Mr. and Mrs. L. To Limbury. Double L, I call them. To Lovetown. Double italic in Roman capital. To Mr. and Mrs. Limbury, who come forward. Here, it's all arranged. The key to the whole matter is that I've been mistaken, which is something singular. If I have made another mistake in calculating on your kind and lenient reception of our last half-hour's misunderstanding, to the audience, I shall have done something more singular still. Do you forbid me committing any more mistakes, or may I announce my intention of doing something singular again? The End End of Is She His Wife? by Charles Dickens